I want my number ones back, all of them. That's crazy. Why would I give them back? Because at the end of the day, no one's the wiser. Tom, you haven't lost anything, and you get the quarterback Messiah you've always wanted for $7 million less. No, no, I can't do it. I look like an idiot, like I panicked. You take them. You obviously don't want to. I'll stick with my draft picks. Yeah, but you want them, Tom, don't you? Seahawks fans want a hero, and you denied them. Not that bad. Don't lie to me. I checked all the Seahawks fan blogs and chat rooms. They're all calling for your head. Ever since you traded away Callahan, the barbarians are at the gate. I don't care about that. Uh, yeah, you do. You and I both know it. I have the golden ticket now, Tom, and if I give it to you, you get to save Seahawk football in Seattle. Um, about give you number two picks. No, mm -mm -mm -mm. no, I want my picks back, all of them. I want all three years of this team's future back. That's not fair. Well, you want to cry about it, Tom, or you want to make a little magic before the clock runs out on both of us? Seven million cheaper solves our salary cap problem. We're still going to give the fans what they want. Okay, screw it. No more offer. It's off the table, Tom. I'm taking Calvin. Whoa, 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 no, no. Hey, wait. All right, you have a deal. I'll give you your picks. We have a deal. What else do we need? Uh, uh, Special teams. Putney, get Putney. Yeah, yeah. David Putney. 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 Yeah, Putney. Hello? Sonny? I'm sorry, that deal's now off the table. What? We live in a different world than we did just 30 seconds ago. Come on. What? What do you want now? I want my picks back. And I want David Putney. I need a punt returner. <laughs> Where the hell that come from? It doesn't matter. I want all my picks back and I want David goddamn Putney just because I feel like it. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I am. Haven't I proved that already? You make this deal right now, Tom, and you get Bo Callahan. Say it with me. You get Bo. Come on, Tom. Say it with me, you pancake-eating mother. All right, shit. Deal. Great. You're welcome. From the train. God damn it, I love this job. Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to shut it for you real quick. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you're running straight downhill. You know where we're coming, and we know where y'all going to be lined up at. Now you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Peace mode is already inside you. The doctor is now in. Yes, here we go. It is draft day. Oh, I love it. Numchuck, you pancake eating mother. Okay. Sorry. Love that movie. 
One of my all-time favorite. This is like Groundhog Day. You know, Groundhog Day, we usually we always play the clip from Groundhog Day. This is what we do on Draft Day. I love Draft Day. One of the best movies of all time. But that doesn't have a polka in it. That needs a polka. That's true. <laughs> they got that right. You know how critical I am of sports movies. They got a lot of that right. And Kevin Costner in sports movies. Fantastic. It doesn't matter. He's playing golf, playing baseball. You know, GM of the, of the Cleveland Browns. doesn't matter. Good stuff. Draft day today, as we will know. Yes, the Raiders will be on the clock. Oh, in about three hours. 5 p.m. The draft gets underway. The Carolina Panthers on the clock with the number one overall selection, followed by the Houston Texans. Then after that, it probably will get pretty interesting. And I know there's a lot of draft nicks, as our good friend Chuck Esposito over Red Rock says. It's fine. I love the draft as well, too. Always love the NFL and the NBA draft. Uh, it's a it's a fun day. And, you know, root for your team. Everyone high, has high hopes. You know, and uh, I'm sure we'll see some deals. We'll see some trades made. All kinds of stuff will be happening. But uh, the draft gets underway uh, at 5 p.m. Pacific time in Kansas City at the train station there in Kansas City. You got to like that. All right, so we got a lot to talk about today. We'll, uh, one more time, we'll look at the Raiders selection at number seven. Whose name will they call? All right. Will it be a cornerback? All right. Will it be an offensive lineman? Will they trade up, down? We'll see. But the Raiders have 12 picks in this draft. They've really stockpiled a lot of opportunity. And let's use that word opportunity because really that's where it's at right now with the Raiders. It's opportunity. And if you're analyzing NFL draft or I'd say over the last 10 to 15 years, the Raiders, probably more team than any others, have really botched up the draft. They really have overreached for some talent, especially in the Mike Mayock era when he was the general manager. And it's funny because for those that don't watch a lot of college football and they hear the name Alex Leatherwood, whoa, wow, he, he went to Clemson, you know, he went to, you know, Alabama. He's, you know, wow, you know, national championship team. Yeah, he's pretty good. That's why most of your draft, you know, gurus and draft Knicks went, what? Like I was saying, well, what? I mean, really? And then some of the other, you know, draft picks that they've made at various positions. You got the number seven pick. You got to score on the number seven pick because you are going to get a quality football player. No matter the position, you're going to get a quality football player. If you're drafting anywhere in the top 10 to top 15, that guy should be a cornerstone of your football team. If you're drafting anywhere from Carolina to Green Bay, from 1 to 15, there's no excuses. You've got to score. But I've seen the Packers, you know, do this year in and year out. You know, when you are, you know, drafting cornerbacks in the middle of the first round or towards the end of the first round, all these cornerbacks, they're, they're dime a dozen. That's why I've questioned a lot of the our guests that I, I've had on the past couple of weeks regarding the draft. It's like, I understand that the Raiders have a need at corner because they've just been dismal there for a long, long time. And there are two that project pretty high, that pretty good 
college careers. Devin Witherspoon from Illinois and Christian Gonzalez at Oregon. We had Paul Gutierrez on yesterday, the Raiders insider with ESPN, and he was raving about Gonzalez. But again, I don't know I want to go there with the number seven pick. Because I'm telling you right now, the Raiders, if they pick one of these guys at seven, they're both going to be available. I'd be curious to see if they do pick one, where the other guy goes, how far after, or if they don't pick a corner, who's the first team that's going to pick a cornerback? And again, I just, you know, a, a lot of the smart teams, they're, they're not going to go there. If you buy into the philosophy, and you should, especially at number seven, I want the best player available. Okay. Whether, whether, forget the position. And then you got the Jalen Carter situation. Where's he going to go? That's part of the drama as well. And the Raiders are in the thick of that. They worked him out. They interviewed him down here at the Raiders facility last week. He could be a game wrecker, game changer. But again, you know, he's the off the field stuff really bad when you're drag racing and your vehicle is part of the reason why two people are dead. Um, on your college football staff that you attended at University of Georgia. Now, he technically didn't kill anybody, and but you know, coming off the Henry Ruggs thing, like we've talked about, man, it's do you want to go there? Will he be available? Hopefully, somebody else takes him. Maybe Seattle takes him at five, or somebody else, Detroit takes him at six. You know, team with Aiden Hutchinson, who you know came out of the University of Michigan last year for the Lions and played exceptionally well. So maybe you, you take that off the table for the Raiders. What are they going to do at number seven? Because they need help at the offensive line, even a little bit more help in the at linebacker, but definitely in the secondary. You know you need that. All right. You don't have a tight end right now. At least you don't have an all pro tight end. You lost Darren Waller. So It'll be interesting to see what the Raiders do at seven. All right. Today, our guest, uh, Sam Gordon will be joining us. Sam covers the Raiders, of course, and covers, uh, everything. Uh, the fine columnist at, uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal. Always love talking to Sam. TJ Reeves will join us from Tampa Bay. Uh, even though the Bucks don't have a pick until number 19, uh, he's covering the draft for the Buccaneers. So we'll check in with TJ Reeves, get his thoughts. And TJ does a lot of the college football. Uh, broadcasting. He d- does a lot of SEC games on the radio side. Uh, so he got a chance to see Bryce Young play several times in person. So we'll talk to him regarding the quarterback situation. And uh, yes, we'll talk some Tampa Bay Rays and Tampa Bay Lightning as well. So we'll wreck his world a little bit with that. Can't wait to talk Lightning with him. <laughs> How about can't wait to talk Rays? After he was giving me all that grief about raising the Astros, raising the Astros. You do realize that the Astros just beat the Rays in the last two games in Tampa. You know how many runs they scored in those last two games? Zero. Oh. Zero. That's right. They haven't scored in 20-plus innings. So, yeah, they haven't, they have, the Rays haven't scored since Monday. How's that? So I'll have some fun with him with that. Well, that's some fun. Yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning. Eliminated. Done. Gone. Oh. All right, so TJ Reeves, Sam Gordon will join us, uh, and Brian Salmon from News 3, our favorite sports director in town. I shouldn't be partial. One of our favorite sports directors uh, in town. And again, uh, he's covering the Raiders and the Golden Knights tonight. All right, speaking of the Golden Knights... 
Well, they got a chance to close out tonight. VGK trying to close out the Winnipeg Jets. Remember the Jets won game one at T-Mobile Arena? 4-1. Well, what have the Knights done since then? They have not lost to the Jets. 5-2 in game two. 5-4 the double overtime thriller in game three. After the Knights uh, built a 2-0 lead, a 4-1 lead, Winnipeg came storming back. Uh, that was the most entertaining game of this series in Game 3. And that's when the, the series really turned for the Knights. And they won that game. And then they won Game 4 as well, winning 4-2. They now have a commanding 3-1 lead home ice tonight. And uh, we look forward to the Golden Knights with an opportunity to close out. But this is NHL. You never know what can happen, especially when you got a youngster in goal. And Brossois. What will happen tonight? So, but uh, the Winnipeg Jets, they look done. They really do. But hey, it's the NHL, as we know. I mean, look what's been happening. I mean, you know, Edmonton and the Kings, we thought that was going to be a series. Maybe that was going to be an upset, but now Edmonton, Edmonton is taking control of that. They lead three games to two in, in that series. And, and we just mentioned the Lightning. Lightning losing to Toronto to the Maple Leafs. So, anyway, so yeah, we've got to hockey tonight. Puck drop, if you're going to the game, you're watching 7.20 tonight is puck drop. All right? So get over to T-Mobile. Give yourself plenty of time and enjoy uh, the contest uh, tonight with that. All right. So last night, the NBA playoffs, more fantastic entertainment. The Golden State Warriors defeat the Sacramento Kings 123-116. Feeling pretty good about this now, you know, with that series bet. I got to admit, even though the Warriors lost the first two games in Sacramento, I said, well, you know, wait till it gets back to San Francisco, games three and four. As long as the Warriors can hold serve, I'll feel pretty good about my series wager on the, on the dubs. And not only did they win games three and four, but then the big game was last night. Game number five, back in Sacramento, where the home team had won each of the four games. And last night, the Warriors uh, got off to a very slow start. Right? Found themselves down nine early. Then they battled back. And then the key was Golden State outscored Sacramento by 12 points in the second and the third quarter. They built a 12-point lead. They were able to hold on down the stretch, getting their first road win of these playoffs. And in this series... And we always talk about the adage, well, the series really doesn't start until the visiting team wins uh, a playoff game. Well, that's what happened last night. And now the Sacramento Kings, kind of like the Winnipeg Jets, right? They have now lost three games in a row in this series, two in San Francisco, and now they lose game five on their home floor. Uh, and the Kings now look like kind of a, a battered team, but you know they're going to be ready to go. And the big question will be, will the Warriors go according to form? They've been fantastic. I believe what they're like, what, 19 of the last 20 home games at the Chase Center. But you see what happens with the Warriors. Sometimes they get a little comfortable. They get a little full of themselves. And they cannot look past the Kings. They have to take care of business. I believe the Warriors will win this game. They're seven and a half point favorite again at home. I don't believe that the home crowd is going to allow the Warriors to sleepwalk in this game. The Warriors will attempt to sleepwalk. All right, we haven't seen one of those patented 20-point blowouts. We saw one, you know, in game number three. We knew that was going to happen in game three. 
Game four was close. One point victory by the Warriors. Had to come back and get it done. Now they're back home for game six. They will sleepwalk. They'll have their turnovers. But will that crowd rally them? Because they do not want to give Sacramento any momentum going into game seven. Even though the Kings have lost three in a row now, it just takes that one moment to build some confidence and gain that confidence by getting a road victory in San Francisco. You do that, boom, advantage probably goes back to the Kings. All right? Now, unusual start time tonight. So if you're planning on watching this game, remember, we're all done with the two days off. Okay? It's game on, day off, game on, day off. All right? So between five, six, and seven, just one day off. The short travel, bus ride again, you know, for the teams going down to San Francisco for game six. 5 p.m. start time tomorrow. 5 p.m. Now, the reason they're doing this, because there's only two series that are left. All right? Technically, there's three. There's one that should be done tonight when Boston plays Atlanta. But both these out in the West are the only series that are still live, and that is the Lakers and the Grizzlies. And they're going to play the 7.30 game. And so both West Coast games, highly unusual that you see both West Coast games on the same night and nobody else playing. So therefore, someone's going to play early to get both these on national television. So the Warriors and Kings will be at 5 o'clock. A little concerned with that just because the Chase Center will not be full at 5 o'clock. I'll tell you right, it will not be full. Okay, Even if this game was in Sacramento, it wouldn't be full. Probably a better chance to be full because of the commute is not nearly as bad in Sacramento and you know people getting off work and that sort of thing. But the Warriors crowd will not be there in the beginning. They'll get there eventually. They'll be there. I'm not saying it's going to be empty, but I'm just saying... Uh, they when tip off happens, it may be two thirds full. That's going to be probably the case, and then they'll come in. So, but if you let the Kings get off to a quick start, the Warriors don't want to play catch up, and they've had to do that. And they had to do it last night, but able to play catch up early in the second quarter when they took over and did the same thing in the third quarter. But it's been a great series. We, we've been talking about it every day. We've had great coverage from the Kings side as well as the Warrior side. And, uh, you know, we'll do uh, more of that uh, coming up uh, tomorrow as well, too, and next week uh, in the winner of this series advances. So remember, game six tomorrow night, 5 p.m. in San Francisco. If there's a game seven, it will be Sunday afternoon in Sacramento. All right, so the Warriors win 123-116. What were the keys to victory last night? Well, winning on the road was huge for the Warriors, now 11-32 and on the road, but it was all about the following individuals. Steph Curry, fantastic. 31 points. Clay Thompson chipped in with 25. And we're truly starting to see the Splash Brothers operate together now. So they combined for 56. But here's where the real story was. The real story was Wiggins with 20 and Draymond Green with 21. Draymond Green, fantastic, with 21. Last time Draymond Green scored over 20 points was Christmas Day 2019. Remember that season for the Warriors? The Warriors won 15 games that year. They won 15 games that year. And Draymond Green had a big Christmas Day victory over the Houston Rockets where he had 20 points. He had 21 last night. Coming off the bench again, uh, didn't make too many mistakes. 
He was fantastic with sharing the basketball as well, too, as he dished off seven uh, assists. Only had four rebounds, which was down a little bit for him. For, but great, Draymond Green's going to get 21 points. Forget about it. If Clay's going the way he's going and Curry's going the way he's going, forget about it. And then there's Kayvon Looney. Tremendous again. One of the most unsung, underrated guys in this league. And every playoff season, we talk about Looney with the Warriors. 22 rebounds again last night. Had over 20 early on in the series as well, too. This guy's averaging, all right? Averaging 15 rebounds a game in the series. Phenomenal. Where's the share on the ball? Curry, eight assists. Green was seven. Looney was seven. And then Jordan Poole was six assists. This is when the Warriors are that unbeatable championship team when they play like that. All right? They need one more game to close out the uh, Sacramento Kings. And how about if you did play in series pricing here and you could have got yourself plus a lot of money, all right? Plus nearly $3 when the Warriors were down two games to none. And now the Warriors are a big-time favorite. They're a $5 favorite now in this series. Game six, tomorrow night in San Francisco. All right, Miami in the Milwaukee Bucks. Wow, that's all we got to say here. 128-126 for the eight-seed Miami Heat, and they close out the Bucks. They beat them in five games. Jimmy Butler, phenomenal. 42 points again last night. Remember what he did in game four? 56. 98 points in the last two games. Who does this? 98 points. But this isn't a surprise because Jimmy Butler has always been a phenomenal scorer. Back to his days at Marquette. You know, he's fired up. He always plays well in Milwaukee as a pro. Coming back to that arena where he played his college ball, even though went through a renovation and everything. Now it's a five-serve for him. 98 points the last two games. Milwaukee, shame on them. They blew a 16-point lead to start the fourth quarter. They led by 14 with eight minutes to go, and they still lost. The game goes into overtime as the Heat hit a phenomenal, phenomenal two shots in the last two possessions. Strauss hits a three to, to cut the lead, you know, down to two, actually cut it to one. And then the, the Bucks hit one of two at the other end of the free throw line. All right. And then with two seconds to go, they go a lob to Jimmy Butler down low. He's fallen away. Tips it in. It goes in. We got overtime. And you see Miami had all the mojo. And Milwaukee's just shaking their head. We're at home. And we can't beat these guys. Yeah, this was humiliating. This was embarrassing if you're the Bucks, Kudos to the Miami Heat. Because they're a fantastic basketball team. They really are. They're not your typical number eight seed. Tyler Hero gets injured in the opening game. He's out for the rest of the, uh, the postseason. And not many people gave the Miami Heat a shot. But man, now hop out overtime. You get down to the final possession of this game, and there's a jump ball situation. Giannis gets the jump ball, and he doesn't want anything to do with it because he was going to get fouled. All right. As Milwaukee was up two points, Giannis threw the ball away because he didn't want to get fouled. Why didn't he want to get fouled? Because he was afraid. Giannis was afraid to go to the free throw line. 
this is a, a former MVP. And we're talking about that he was afraid to go to the free throw line. But you know why? Because he was 10 for 23 last night. 10 for 23 at the stripe. Milwaukee is a team, 28 for 45. Dismal. Disastrous. You missed 17 free throws? I'm pulling my Robbie line out again from Digstown. You deserve to lose. Terrible. Milwaukee's a fraud. Number one seed gets ousted with home court advantage in five games, and you have a guard put up 98 on you in two games. 56 and 42 in back-to-back nights. Embarrassing. Now, the Bucks have a lot of questions. All right, remember a couple years ago, should they extend Giannis's contract, give him a lot of money? And they did. Chris Middleton, other guys are making a lot of money on this team. Drew Holiday, you go out in the first round to the eighth seed. So you knew the questions were coming here. Giannis faces the media, and the question came to him was, do you consider this season a failure? Do this season as a failure? Oh, my God. Because I'm not at all. You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay. Uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never... I don't, know, I don't want to... I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years. Won six championships. The other nine years was a failure? That's what you're telling me? No, I'm answering your question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. All right, the good and bad of this. All right, I see where the reporter's going. Is this a failure because you're the number one seed? You lose in five games. You lose embarrassingly, and you're expected to go to the finals. And you're favorite, the favorite to win the NBA championship, as the number one seed in the East. Give Giannis plenty of credit. Because the way he handled that was good. And then the way he... Other guys could have blown up. Like we've seen LeBron blow up. Uh, or he could just walk off. But he composed himself. And he brought the narrative back like, okay, you know, if you don't get a promotion, does that mean that, you, that you're a failure? But probably the best thing he said in that was bringing up Michael Jordan. Winning all those championships, the years that Jordan and the Bulls didn't win a championship, is the season considered a failure? Of course, Giannis is going to be in the defensive mode. All right. And he referenced that this same reporter asked him that same question last year when they lost. Was it a failure? So that's going to strike close to home in him. But who do you side with on this? I mean, do you consider this a failure? Do you think Giannis overreacted? Or did you like what Giannis said? I have a feeling I, I don't like what I don't like the question how it was asked. Mm-hmm. Yes, this year was a failure, but it's not 
technically a failure. Especially from a hometown reporter. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to be a Milwaukee reporter, hometown, be a homer. Be be decent about it. Don't beat oh, that. Respect, respect what the, he's going through right now. Yeah. 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 Maybe down the line ask that question. Not 10 minutes after the game. Were the Bucks a failure this year? No. They're number one seed. They were. They lost in five games to the eight the seed. The playoffs or, or, or anything. Giannis got hurt. Didn't play for a couple games. Mm-hmm. Wasn't playing Butler enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's reasons why they lost. Giannis came back, was healthy. I'm a firm believer that he could have played, especially game three, because game four he came back, he looked fantastic. He got 38 points again last night. But you've got to make those free throws, and he'll be the first one to tell you. You cannot go 10 for 23 at the free throw line. As a team, you can't miss 17, especially when Chris Middleton, I believe, went 10 for 10. He he was nails. But Milwaukee losing to Miami was a shame. Even people in Miami thought they were going to lose. But if it was Jimmy Butler. Because when the, the here's a story about the Heat. It's always been this way, all right, last couple of years, especially this year. If Butler goes off, they got a shot to win. If Butler doesn't get over 20 or Butler isn't playing or has a subpar night, the Heat are going to get blown out. That's why they barely squeaked in. That's why they were in the play-in tournament. They have no other scoring that you can depend on outside of Jimmy Butler. Tyler Hero, Hero was one of those guys. You take him away, he's injured, he's out. You really got nothing. But Butler willed this team. He was amazing. He was fantastic. Kudos to him, and you can make the argument that Jimmy Butler is the best player right now in this postseason. You can make that argument. He's playing better than LeBron James, no question. Maybe Steph Curry and Jimmy Butler are on a par. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about MVPs. It's like what that person means to that team. What Jimmy Butler means to Miami, more than what LeBron James means to, to the Lakers. Heck, they got Anthony Davis. They got other guys can carry a little bit of the load. Without Jimmy Butler, forget about Miami. All right? Warriors struggle when Steph Curry is off the floor. But you still got <laughs> Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, especially when Draymond Green is playing the way he's playing in these last couple games. So... And again, I don't want to get into the whole comparison, you know, who's the MVP, all this. The point of the matter is Miami can play. Miami can play. Eric Spolster is a very good coach. They're not your typical number eight seed. But this was the fourth biggest upset from a betting perspective with series price. Fourth biggest upset in opening round history of the playoffs. History. That's how big of a dog that the Miami Heat were in this. So it's only happened six times. Number eight has beaten number one. Last time, what, 2012? Man, but uh, very impressive by the Miami Heat. And now they're going to take on the Knicks. Talk about some old school. How's Pat Riley feeling about that right now, huh? Here we go again. You know, going back to, you know, 2000s, late 90s, especially in the 2000s, you know, 2009, 10, 11, 12, you know, th- th- those were battles between those teams with the Heat and the Knicks at the Garden. Oh, man, that's going to be fun. All right. Then the other fraud team, the Lakers. Memphis 
rolls over the Lakers last night. 116-99, no contest again. Two games, the Lakers have been non-competitive. Think about that in this series. How does that happen to, with a LeBron James team? Now, they cut the lead to one, but they were getting blown out most of the game. They cut it to one, gave them a nice little run. But what happened after that? Memphis goes on a 19-1 run after that. 19-1 run in the third quarter. Desmond Bain. Who's talking about Desmond Bain? 33 points. This guy's been lighting it up. Ja Morant, 31 points. LeBron, 15 points last night. That's it. 10 rebounds. He looked tired. Game four, LeBron had 20 and 20. Anthony Davis, he showed up last night. 31 points, 19 rebounds. Bottom line is, those two guys, inconsistent. The rest of the team, inconsistent. The team has been inconsistent all year. And I know a lot of people are thinking, well, Lakers are still up three games to two. Don't count Memphis out, because Jaws getting more and more healthy. And you, if you have no answer for Desmond Bain, hold on, wait a minute. Memphis could win in L.A. They could win, no question. Probably should have won game number four. In game seven, who do you rather have? Memphis on their home floor? Number two seed? Against a tired Lakers team with more travel? I'll take Memphis, then get to seven. Heck, I'll take Memphis getting points in, in game six. Lakers, inconsistent. This is the NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm glad. you know, it, Coming off what we saw in the NCAA tournament with all these upsets, this is carrying over to the NBA. We've seen it. you know, And even Denver had to struggle with the M- Minnesota Timberwolves. All right, look forward more to that. All right, uh, we come back. Uh, we will go to Tampa Bay. We will talk NFL draft. The draft is in Kansas City. TJ Reeves will join us. Uh, we'll get thoughts uh, regarding Bryce Young, the quarterback situation. Sam Gordon will join us next hour. Brian Salmon will talk a lot of Raiders perspective next hour, so hang tight with that as we continue on a thunderous Thursday. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. This doesn't sound like the usual mindless, boring chit-chat. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Okay, the NFL draft is upon us at a train station in Kansas City. How about that? Okay. What will the Raiders do? We'll talk about that next hour with uh, our local Sam Gordon and Brian Salmon. But let's uh, talk about it from a national perspective. And uh, like myself, this man uh, has worked many, many drafts uh, for the home team and uh, probably enjoys the movie just as much as, as I do. There he is. Let's go to Tampa Bay, our good friend, the Buck Sideline Reporter, and as I like to call him, you pancake-eating mother TJ Reeves. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're quoting draft day already for us? Is that what's going on here? Of course. One of my favorites. What is it, Sonny, Sonny Weaver, right? Sonny is, uh, Weaver. Kevin Costner's character. Yes, go ahead. Uh, let me tell you who steals that movie while we totally digress is, uh, is Je- uh, the assistant. Jennifer Gardner, obvi- Jennifer Gardner obviously is easy on the eyes, but his assistant like steals the whole movie with all the one-liners and all the stuff. That and, that and Dennis Leary setting the, uh, <laughs> the draft plan or the game plan on fire with the lighter. That's pretty good too, but. <laughs> We totally, but like somebody would ever trade five number one picks. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's a little far fetched. But then again, it was the Cleveland Browns. Anyway, exactly, uh, yeah. Doctor. Yeah. Uh, 
Doctor, we're ready to go do this. I'm headed down to Raymond James Stadium for the Buccaneers and their process. Can you just guarantee me something? Can I get a doctor guarantee on a draft day Thursday, please, from the doctor that a year ago we sat on the Buccaneer draft show and talked for an hour buildup, and then for like two and a half hours before the Bucks were supposed to pick it at like about number 25 or 26, and then they traded the pick. Right, And you talk about the all-time waste of time. You're just sitting there feeling like, what have we done for the last four hours? Mm-hmm. Uh, so can I get the doctor guarantee that I don't have to go through that tonight where we sit there and talk and talk about possible draft picks? Who are they looking at? Defensive line, offensive tackle, defensive back, only to have them trade completely out of the first round and pick no one. Mm-hmm. Doctor, I, I got to get a doctor guarantee on that. Can yeah. I? Can I get one? I don't know if I can guarantee that because this is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and in, in your your front office there. I'm not sure what they're doing. I mean, they're at 19. Okay, so when you're at 19, obviously you're going to listen to all comers, whether that means moving up or moving down or or whatever. But you know, again, it's 19. It's probably you really don't want to be at 19 because that tells you, okay, you missed the playoffs, or if you got in, you barely got in, and you're not going to get, you know, an upper echelon guy. I think you know, if you're sitting within the top 15, top 14, 15, you're going to be getting a guy that can really help your football team if you make the right selection. And we've seen so many GMs make the wrong selections. So I don't know how much confidence that you have, TJ. And that's the question. I, I don't know, you know, that front office at all. But how much confidence do you have with uh, that front office in, in in making a strong selection in nineteen? Do they know what they want? Yeah, I think I have a lot of confidence in them because they've drafted around here before and gotten Tristan Wirfs, the outstanding right tackle, got him in twenty in twenty twenty at around uh, this spot, and they've, they've picked offensive linemen uh, before. Uh, they picked O.J. Howard, who's now with the Raiders, but O.J. obviously had an injury played career while he was here. He had a pretty productive first season and picked him right around this spot, like 17, 18, 19. Uh, the real key, I think, as we segue it, is Tendon Hooker, the injured quarterback from Tennessee, and if he's still sitting there, as it becomes the 17th pick, the 18th pick, Buccaneer fans will start going crazy because there isn't really a long-term solution identified yet between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, the guy who's been a two-year backup to Tom Brady and really hasn't had a chance to prove himself. And then the question becomes, would the Buccaneers trade with somebody else at 19 that really likes Hooker, or will they go ahead and pick a player? I don't know. I just know this, that in about... Uh, oh, four and a half hours time, about 7.15 Pacific, about 10.15 Eastern is around the time when the Bucks would allegedly be on the clock. If Hendon Hooker is sitting there, it's going to get crazy on whether the Bucks take him or maybe make a trade, Doctor. See, and I don't see it. I, the Hendon Hooker thing, let's go back to Hendon Hooker before he went to Tennessee at Virginia Tech. I mean, he wasn't lighting, right. he wasn't lighting anybody up. And he had a great season at, at Tennessee. He did, but you got to remember the system he was in. He was in a one-read system, okay? I'm not sure Hendon Hooker's game translates uh, to the NFL very well. And then, of course, you have the injury concern. But, again, I was never a Hendon Hooker fan. I'm not going to let that one season at Tennessee, you know, sway me that that all of a sudden this guy's going to be good. And especially, TJ, coming off the the injury, he's not a first-round pick. He's not a first-round pick at all. And if you're thinking that – that he could be better than Baker Mayfield or somebody says, forget about it. Not happening. No way. No shot. 
And he's and he's twenty five years old. I know. He's older. He got a late start. Yeah. So that's another. Concern. Is he Chris Winkie? That's what I want. Is that Chris Winkie in the building? <laughs> it's a good question because I think Winkie was about thirty two when he started uh, right. in uh, in the NFL. But yeah, uh, I mean there are question marks there. I disagree though with the Almighty Doctor on the Galactically Famous TC Martin show on a Thursday. I believe someone will take him in the first round, and the biggest reason for that is the fifth-year option that you control on a quarterback. That's the same reason why I think Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are assured to go somewhere in this first round, and probably in the case of both of them, they're in the top 15. I still think Richardson will go in the top 10. Oh. Hooker, I think Hooker sitting there at 31, or 30 in this case, because there's one less pick. At 30, the Eagles don't need a quarterback because of Jalen Hurts. Uh, the Chiefs have that guy, what's his name, Mahomes? Yeah, they don't need him either. So who's wheeling and dealing back into the first round at, like, number 30 or number 31 tonight because they realize I can get a fifth-year option on Hinton Hooker and play the waiting game and have him under contract for an extra year as opposed to taking him in the second round when the maximum he gets is the four years. So there you go. Okay, so you know how I love to make wagers with you and everybody. But let's let's do, let's do a food wager here. If Anthony Richardson, food wager. if Anthony Richardson goes in the top ten, are you kidding me? I'm buying you whatever you want. This ham and well, has it, no business being in the first round, well, wait, period, wait, 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 let alone wait. the top ten. Those are two different things. Wait, wait. Those are two different things. He has no business being in the top ten, right. which I agree with. Yes. Versus. Someone will take him in the top ten. No, no are shot. Are two different things, Doctor. No shot. I believe someone will, and, and you may see somebody trade up to do it. Someone is going to grab him in the top ten. There's nothing so good about this guy. Ribbon. You know, you've seen him. You're in Florida, right? I have. Seriously, this guy has accuracy problems. Okay, he's a Agreed. he's an athlete. Agreed. He's great, and that's it. That's where the buck stops, right? Get it? The buck stops. It stops right there. If you have accuracy problems, you're off my draft board. You're off, and you should be in every NFL draft room. All right, I don't disagree with you, but there are teams that love the athletic ability. I'm with you. Put the tape in. Watch yeah. him throwing the ball in the dirt to open receivers <laughs> right. and throwing the ball behind people. Yeah. I know he had flashes and he had moments when you watch the Georgia game in the second half. Uh, or when you watch him at the end of the year against, you know, uh, against uh, Florida State and a couple of other games, he showed he showed signs, uh, and he's got a rocket for an arm. But again, on potential and on upside, somebody's going to take that gamble. It happens every year, every year where people take a look at somebody, fall in love with them in their T-shirt and their workout shorts during their private workout, and say this can be the guy. It's how Johnny Manziel ended up being a first-round pick undersized, freelance, almost playground-type football quarterback, not a guy that's going to stand in the pocket and read defenses, undersized, and and he yet still was a first-round pick in the NFL draft. So you're on. We can do it at Blue Ribbon out in Vegas. <laughs> yep. You can come here to Tampa Bay. We'll go uh, We'll go take care of you in a couple of different spots here. Dinner, dinner on Anthony Richardson's top ten. Let's uh, go. There, it's on. So, uh, you, you know, you're talking about – you're doing, you know, the, the show and the hype and all that sort of thing. And you're yes. sitting at night. Okay. So it, it, that, what you just described to me, and I had to live this, you know, a couple different times. So how about this? 
you're sitting there waiting when your team that you're covering, like me, back in the day, the Green Bay Packers, and you're doing this at, at pick number 25, and you're hyping it all up, and you're wondering all this and this and that, and then what happens, and who did the Packers select with the 25th uh, draft pick? Cornerback Ahmad Carroll. That's when you're going, what What did I just spend the last two hours doing? Ahmad Carroll? What are you talking about? That's almost as bad as, oh, we're going to trade the pick. So I've been through both, TJ, and I can tell you, that's that's not a pretty sight either. That's like uh, what you're what you're making me remember. Uh, that was 2004, by the way. Yeah. 2004. So not long after that, about 2007 or 2008, is when the Miami Dolphins had hired Cam Cameron to be their coach. <laughs> And Cameron would only last one year because they only won one game, I believe. But the pride of Indiana, that, that by the way. Draft, okay, right. And they they picked Ted Ginn. Speaking of the Big Ten, they picked Ted Ginn of Ohio State as a playmaker off of those teams with Jim Tressel and company as a wide receiver kick returner. And the Miami fans were going absolutely bonkers because they wanted any one of about five other guys in the top ten besides Ted Ginn. And so Camp Cameron comes out of the war room to address like the draft party where the fans are congregated and they're booing before he ever takes the microphone. And he says, I'm going to tell you right now, Ted Ginn's going to be a, a Pro Bowl player. Uh, he's going to be a difference maker. He's going to help us make that. And they're just booing him off the stage, Doctor. So, uh, it, yeah, he was in for it right away after making that draft pick. So, again, this is what I say to you. You don't know what some of these teams are up to and what they're thinking and why they take a player in the top 10 or in the top 15, but somebody's going to do something crazy tonight. And I think it's probably with Anthony Richardson of Florida. All right, TJ Reeves joins us uh, live from Tampa Bay, Buck sideline reporter. Now, you also... Uh, do your good share of college football games, do a fantastic job with that, and you've done a lot of SEC games. I know that you covered Bryce Young, and you, you've called some of his games. I want your thoughts on him, because he, I like him and always have liked him, but you got a chance to see him up close and personal. Talk about him and maybe some of the other players that you've covered this past season that will go early in this draft. Again, I don't believe her just like you are. You and I are in agreement on that one. We don't have to have a, a food wager on that. I got to see him five times uh, over the last couple of seasons at Alabama. No, he's not six foot three and 230 pounds, but he's got everything else you would want, including playing at the highest level in the toughest conference in college football. Where, oh, by the way, a lot of the offensive linemen and a lot of the defensive linemen, a lot of the people blocking for him, and a lot of the people you're going against in the front seven of the other team end up getting drafted by the NFL. So uh, the fact that they were able to create throwing lanes for him, he was able to, to move around some and, and make plays. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you who I prop up is our buddy Steve Berline, working a game with him a couple of years ago. He said, first of all, this guy's at modern-day high school in Southern California – which in a lot of ways is better than some college programs. And he was a star, uh, a state champion essentially at modern day before he ever got to Alabama. And now he won a national title at Alabama. I, I have no qualms about taking him because what do Tua, Tagovailoa, and Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones all have in common? Having played at Alabama, they've all gone to the NFL, and within a couple of years, they've all been in the playoffs. All of them had playoff seasons. Now, Mac Jones lost his playoff game. Tua lost his playoff game this year. Jalen Hurts got the Super Bowl. That's out of the same exact program. And you can argue that in the case of Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts, they're bigger, 
They're taller. But Tua's not any bigger than what uh, Bryce Young is. So I'm with you. They're going to take him at number one for Carolina, and obviously that's intriguing for the Buccaneers because we're going to see them twice a year, every year, with Bryce Young now apparently going to be in the division. Uh, I, I think it will be as stunning as anything that happens tonight if it's not Bryce Young. I think that's as close to a lock as you can have. He's going to be the first pick by Carolina. All right. So we uh, transition, and now we go uh, to the baseball field. And uh, yes. breaking news, T.J. Reese. I don't know if you heard about this or not. But the uh, Tampa Bay Rays lost two in a row. Yes, they did. They haven't scored in 19 innings. TJ Reese, they haven't scored since Monday. They haven't scored a run since Monday. What's going on? Yes. <laughs> Things uh, kind of leveled <laughs> off against the uh, the Houston Astros. Now they wore but, the Astros. Wait, wait, wait. The, 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 the what? The, the what Astros? The world the world champion. The world champion Houston Astros. I do, I do remember the doctor telling me over and over again, you know, wait till the Astros show up, wait till the Astros show up. And then I got in contact with you Monday night and it was like crickets when it was eight to three <laughs> raising game one. Now, uh, I do. And do you notice that I do that, not give it back to you? I, I didn't, I didn't rub it into you after the shutout victory, uh, on, uh, on Wednesday or, or Thursday. Did, did, you didn't hear from me. See, I wasn't, I wasn't well, digging all, into you. I don't do that. First of all, I'm just here to help. Today is Thursday, so the two shutout victories were Tuesday and Wednesday. Right. Uh, but you're right. You did not give it back to me. But here's the thing. I have been saying to you, and we may be about to see this, the offense is going to level off, if not come back down to earth. And the last two games may be an indication of that. But they were on such a torrid pace with a lineup that's not an all-star lineup. Of course, of course that's going to level off. So now they're back playing the White Sox, who are awful, on the road. Uh, and we do have breaking news on top of your breaking news. I'm Chuck. No, I'm Chuck, get ready. Oh. More breaking news here on the T.C. Martin Show because the doctor always cares about attendance at yeah. Tropicana Field. Yeah. The Rays have actually announced that for the Yankee series coming <laughs> next week, they will open the third deck and they will open numerous sections of the third deck and up the capacity to about 30,000 because they're expecting that big of crowds when the Yankees show up. Now, again, Probably half of it will be Yankee fans. More but, than uh, half. They, they had 14,000 yesterday against the world champion Houston Astros. They had 14,000. Come on. How can you have 14,000 in that little party deck that you like to take the kids to over there in left field? I saw nothing but but empty chairs and, and empty tables over there. Come on, TJ Reeves. Fill that place up over there. I mean, is the popcorn and the hot dogs right. that bad in that VIP section? Well, again, they're going to have some people there. They did pretty well for the White Sox last Saturday and Sunday because they had 25,000 oh, for each of those games. Okay. And I have a feeling for the Yankees it will be better. Yeah. So let's wait and see what that is on the attendance. And it's going to be a long season to see if the Rays can kind of keep it up. The good news is they're giving themselves a real cushion right now. 20 and 5 through 15, uh, through 25 games. Uh, now just don't give a lot of it back here at the end of April and the beginning of May. All we'll right, see what happens. Final thing here, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, Numbchuck wants me to remind yes. you, down 3-1 at Toronto tonight on the verge of elimination. Quick thoughts. The quick thought is I think the magic has run out, whether it is tonight or whether it is coming in Game 6 or Game 7. I hate to say that. I mean, even in the Reeves household, they're down about this. They're going out to get food while I'm headed down to the stadium, and I'm like, are you watching the hockey game in an hour? And one of the twins goes, they're going to lose. I said, where's the, where's the optimism here? The doctor appears to be more optimistic out in Vegas right now for this situation. 
We shall see if they bow their back, but I have a feeling that Toronto has done enough by winning the two games in Tampa. So game five tonight, we'll see if the Lightning can, can stay alive and force a game six back at home. But we don't, we don't hold out a lot of hope right now. The goalie is not the same goalie. Andre Vasilevsky has not been the same goalie, and I think it's Toronto's time. We shall see, my friend. Man, I mean, we not may not be calling this uh, Champa Bay anymore, TJ, with the Bucks uh, demise and and the Lightning demise, and who knows what's going to happen with. The- By the way, hold on, oh. hold on, oh. hold on. The, the Buccaneers made the playoffs last year. Well. The uh, the Rays have the best record in baseball still. <laughs> the Lightning are in the playoffs. It's not as it's not as if we have nothing but losing teams. <laughs> Well, I mean, you might, be go, you might be going all of Milwaukee Bucks here and, and going night, night, and five. That's a little embarrassing, but that's okay. You know, Just don't ask Giannis whether it's a failure if you lose the <laughs> I know. <AMC. laughs> I've heard about All right, that. my friend. Hey, enjoy uh, tonight. Uh, enjoy your mic time. Uh, you got a lot of talking to do to the 19th <laughs> pick, my friend. And just hope that you just don't get Ahmad Carroll. That's it. Just make oh. sure they don't utter the words Ahmad Carroll or, or any, anyone like that. Yes, lots of talking upcoming. Always good to be with you. Have me back on. We'll recap the draft. We'll see what's going on with the Lightning if they're still alive. Always love being with the doctor. You boys behave in the desert. Thank you very much, TJ Reeves. The Raymond James Stadium getting ready to do his thing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here on Draft Day slash night. Can't always get what you want, people. That's what I'm talking about. It's time to preach a little bit. Be happy. Be thankful for what you got. Ah, it's another one of my old favorite songs back in the day. Well, William Devon, we'll let Mick talk to you right now on a thunderous Thursday. NFL Draft coming back. today at the reception A glass of wine in her hand I knew she was gonna meet her connection At her feet was but loose man you can't always get what you want get back on track the only thing matters is a win that's it however whatever whatever it takes let's go man let's win on three one two three win. live in the entertainment capital of the world. Vikings blitz. Manning got it off the rare deep throw, and maybe that's why they don't do it. Intercepted by Xavier Rhodes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. They're not used to this damn heat. They're over there trying to set up damn pits over there on the sideline. Hey, it's Sharon. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Okay, well, I ain't going to worry about you no more. 300 yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> It's so sweet when you walk off the field knowing you gave everything you got. Team win tonight. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 Uh, where's Sonny Weaver when you need him? You know? Draft day. Kevin Costner. One of my favorite days. No question about it. We'll continue on this hour talking about the NFL Draft. The Raiders with the number seven pick overall. What they going to do? Twelve picks in this draft. Chance to really stockpile some talents. Will they keep them all with the trade? Some of them we'll see. We'll get to our guests coming up this hour. All right. We're going to keep it local this hour. 
Brian Salmon, our guy from News 3, the very fine sports director. We'll talk to him about that. Golden Knights getting ready to face off tonight. 7.20 p.m. is puck drop for that game tonight against the Winnipeg Jets as the VGK get ready to uh, hopefully close out the Winnipeg Jets. we got that happening. NBA playoffs. We'll dive into that this hour as well, too. And, of course, the NFL Draft. Let's kick it off. Hour number two with our good friend Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. The man, the columnist, uh, the workout machine. He does it all, ladies and gentlemen. He covers it all. He writes about it all and does it so eloquently well. What's going on, Sammy? TC, happy draft day. You're far too kind. I appreciate the uh, kind words. Um, but yeah, happy draft day. Happy Thursday. How's everything going? Everything's good, man. B- busy, busy, busy. You know, Sam? Um, you know, what I'm really excited about here, uh, you know, we've got brand new facilities here for the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, we're going to be broadcasting live tomorrow with that. Um, fantastic, uh, season, we hope is, uh, approaching. And I know that, uh, you are going to be covering the Aces, uh, once again. So let's throw that in the mix as well as we talk about the, uh, defending WNBA champions. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, can you believe that the season's already here at TC? First and foremost, that flew by, right? Yeah. It was just what, six or seven months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the parade was on the strip, but um, it's going to be an action-packed season. The Aces, of course, not necessarily resting on their laurels, um, you know, changing the roster around. You add Candace Parker, you add Alicia Clark uh, to the to the foursome of, uh, of of Jackie Young, of Chelsea Gray, of Asia Wilson, of Kelsey Plump. So it's, of course, a championship-caliber team. The expectations are just that, to repeat, and I think that they have uh, fierce competition out east with the New York Liberty, with whom it was announced today that they're going to be playing in an exhibition game. So, obviously, we're not going to see the, the, the what's fully on display. We're not going to see too much, uh, but it'll be an early look at the two uh, two preseason favorites to win the WNBA championship, and uh, I think pretty clearly the two most talented rosters in the league right now. Yeah, agree. All right, looking forward to that. And like I said, training camp underway next week, and we look forward to another great uh, Aces a season. All right, my friend. So it is a draft day, as we know. Sam, were you were you a big uh, fan of the movie Draft Day? You know what, DC? Believe it or not, I have not seen Draft Day. Uh, <laughs> did we, I think we may have had this conversation. That is some breaking news. How can my man Sam Gordon not see Draft Day? And it's one of the better sports movies of all time. Are you one of the better sports movies of all time? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you, one of the better. I mean, and you know me, I am very critical when it comes to this, Sam, because you got to be authentic, you got to get it right. I mean, they actually got permission from the NFL. We had Roger Goodell in the movie. You know, we had an all-star cast who were very, very believable. Uh, Kevin Costner as a GM, Cleveland Browns. We saw their facility being used and shown, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, New York City Radio Music Hall. Uh, they, they nailed it. Uh, you know, I mean, some far fetched stuff. I don't think anyone's going to trade, you know, five, uh, you know, first round picks or all their picks or whatever. I don't see that, but good story, Sam. I'm a little disappointed you didn't see this. Uh, I'm sorry, TC. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm breaking, I'm breaking hearts every day, I guess. <laughs> um, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, I, of course, uh, obviously famous movie, uh, but an even more famous day. I, I love this time of year, Thursday, of course. 
the first of the three-day event and uh, eager to see what the Raiders do at number seven here coming up at the top of the draft. Okay, Sam, so let's, let's uh, you know, divert a little bit since we're talking about movies here, okay? Are you yeah. down Are you down for the George Foreman movie coming up that, that's actually out right now, starting today? Yeah, you know, you know I am down for that. Okay. I am down for that. Um, I saw the previews. I, it looks intriguing to me, obviously, uh, uh, one of the more well-known heavyweights of all time, but I don't think, you know, Big George quite gets the same uh, recognition that maybe some of his other heavyweight peers of that era got, you know, other you know, other than within the mainstream, you know, being the grill guy. I think that's how a lot of people know him. So it'll be interesting to get a, a look into his backstory and kind of that hiatus that he took uh, in between championship reigns as the best heavyweight in the world. So super excited to to see that. And of course, he had his fair share of, of thrilling moments um, here in Vegas. You know, here in Vegas, none bigger than his his victory over Ron Lyle uh, in I believe 1976. So super excited to to, to follow up on that. Uh, and excited to see what that's all about this yeah. weekend. And then, you know, the Michael Moore uh, match, which was uh, just phenomenal for George Foreman becoming the, the oldest heavyweight, uh, to, uh, you know, get the, 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 the championship back as well, too. I mean, Van, I'm, here's the thing, Sam, when we're talking about boxing movies and you like me, we just love the sweet science. You know, when we're watching Rocky and we're watching the Creed series and all that, you know, these are fictional characters. And even though that we'll see boxers portray, um, you know, these fighters, like we saw the younger Benavidez, uh, that was in the, in, in the, in the Creed three movie, right? You know, yep. it's, it's one thing, you know, to look at that and critique that and the fight scenes and this, and that. But now when you're doing a biography type of movie, okay, I'm just curious, do you have a little bit different, you know, expectation, or do you look at it differently? Because we already know the stories, we already know the outcome, and here's the thing: you got to look closely at the actors portraying, you know, like George Foreman in this is uh, example, because we know what George Foreman looks like. We remember what he looked like uh, fighting. We know what his voice sounds like. We know his mannerisms and that and that sort of thing. And you remember how those fights unfolded. So for me, it's like, wow, you really got to be careful. Uh, when you're doing these type of movies, almost like, you know, impersonator, you know, with Whitney Houston or Michael Jackson. I mean, you, you, it, it's, it's hard to nail that. So I think, you know, when you look at fictional boxing movies compared to biographical boxing movies, I mean, you know, we, I think we have a tendency, at least for me, to be a little bit more critical. And, you know, are we going to be impressed? You got any thoughts on that? I just think it's more when you get like a biographical boxing movie, I think it's more about like the storytelling about what goes beyond the ring, what goes on beyond the ring, right? Because as you know, we know the results of the, uh, of the fight. I mean, that's, those are, you can go on Wikipedia and figure out who won what fight and when, and all those fights are on YouTube. But I think, you know, in terms of biographical sports movies, one that really jumps to mind specifically about boxing that I think did a really good job is, is the fighter, right? With, uh, with, uh, Mark Wahlberg and, uh, I believe it was Christian Bale and yes. Irish Mickey Ward, which is kind of chronicling, you know, his journey to the to the precipice of of, of boxing or the precipice of the peak of boxing, and you know his his excellent trilogy with um you know Arturo Gatti. Yep. So it, it, that that movie and you know hope hope the other ones I think that do a really good job. It the, the fights are part of it, but they're not, they're not they don't drive the the, the storyline per se. It's about the character and the character development and, and kind of learning what's deep, what the, the deeper and finer points of what goes on outside the ring that makes these fighters who they are in the ring. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always tough. It's always a tricky kind of uh, task to pull off, you know, executing the biographical sports movie, but there's definitely some really good examples. And I think the ones that do the best job focus on, you know, who the, who the great 
uh, athlete or sports figure was outside of their respective profession as, as, as much as what's going on, you know, in the ring. All right. Sam Gordon joins us, covers it all. And, uh, tonight covering, uh, the Raiders aspect here, the NFL draft, the Raiders with the number seven pick, Sam. All right. Let's go to the podium and let's go to Sam Gordon. The pick is in, Sam. Who, whose name is the Raiders calling? Uh, Devin Witherspoon, uh, TC. Devin Witherspoon, cornerback out of the University of Illinois. I'm not quite sure he'll be there at seven. There's, you know, a lot of rumors that he's going to go to the Detroit Lions at six. They just traded their first round, their former first round corner, uh, a couple weeks ago. So there's a void on the outside uh, for them. But if there, if if he does, I think that top six there is intrigue because of what are the Cardinals going to do at number three and the trade up possibilities and the quarterbacks and where are they all, where are they all going to go. That if Devin Witherspoon ends up falling to seven, I think he's the Raiders guy. If not, you take a look at Christian Gonzalez and other cornerbacks uh, out of Oregon. Uh, as somebody that has a lot of uh, a lot of upside, a lot of potential, somebody that plugs in and becomes a day one starter. Either way, no matter how it goes, TC, unless the quarterback the, the Raiders like, and I'm not exactly sure that, that the quarterback that they're liking is going to fall to number seven. Uh, if they don't, if they don't, if that doesn't happen, I expect the pick to be defense. Right? We 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 understand there are pieces on the offensive side of the ball that make this a, a very capable offense. Uh, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, now Jacoby Myers. Uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, provided that his franchise tag is worked out and he reports and is on the team this year. The, the offense wasn't the issue. They were, I think, in the top 12 and in, in scoring this past season. This team's not going anywhere until you get a reliable defense. And that's going to have to be built out through the draft, probably with multiple draft classes. So if you can get an impact day one starter like a Witherspoon or Gonzalez, uh, at number seven and they're available, I think you have to go that route. Uh, all three levels of the defense. You know, need work for the Raiders, the pass rush, the, the defensive front, uh, linebacker, and, and on the perimeter uh, in, in, in the secondary. But um, with that being said, I think there's a, you, you, at least you have a foundation on the defensive line with, with Max Crosby, and you have young linebackers that they're working on developing. Right now in the secondary, it's, you're not really sure what your answers are long term, so I think they go one of the two corners, depending on who's available at number seven. You know, Sam, we talked to a lot of people, you know, leading up to the draft, whether they're draft experts, their former players, coaches, and that sort of thing, and, you know, and reporters like yourself. And I found out there's like, it's like a 50 50 split. And I, it seems like a lot of the people think that, you know, okay, they're going to go corner. I have a problem with, with, the number seven pick being spent on a corner, unless that corner is like a Charles Woodson. And I don't see Gonzalez and I don't see Witherspoon being that guy because there's two schools of thoughts. Okay. You're, you're going to go for position, you know, which the Raiders definitely need help at cornerback. I get that. But when you're picking seven, there are so many quality guys that could be game changers for you that could be, you know, the seven pick should be a guy that you should be able to pencil in for your franchise anywhere from eight to 10 years. And I don't know if you should, you should just go with the best available, you know, a player, regardless of position, or you go for a position need. And I think that's where the big debate always is. And I just think, you know, when you're in that top 10, especially in number seven, you know, you might be better suited going away from a cornerback. I mean, when's the last time you saw a, a, a high end cornerback? go in the top seven and really amount to being a perennial all pro. 
Well, I mean, Sauce Gardner this past year, right, with the Jets, I mean, he was really good and was part of their defensive uh, turnaround, and he was a top five or top six pick. Yeah. I can't exactly One season, though. Went. Yeah, he was. Yeah, last season. But, you know, it's we're not going to know until we know. And it, it, it's, it's just what's so hard about this process, and I think not just for the Raiders, but for all 32 teams, is you do your homework and you do as much research as you can and you watch the film and you cut up the tape and you do all these things to prepare. But at the end of the day, what you're still doing is, is a very predictive process based on, you know, based on uh, 21- and 22-year-olds. I mean, that's what you're ultimately betting on. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders – I mean, that's, I, I think that's what the Raiders are leaning towards and what, the, what they're going to do. And with it being such a, a passing league, I don't think you can necessarily complain with, with a, going with a premium corner if indeed the, the, that, the said player pans out. Um, but pass rush is also an issue, right? Chandler yeah. Jones, the high-priced free agent, he did not live up to expectations last year. It makes you wonder how much he has left. Granted, he did play better at the end of last season, but still you're talking about a guy going into his, his age 33 season. So if there's a premium pass rush pass rusher uh, available, that's another area where you can never go wrong. You see, I think a, a, you know, good defense had synergy at all three levels, but pass rush, a, a dominant pass rush, you know, allows you to be a, a little bit, um, you maybe take some, some different kind of risks or build out your secondary in a very different way. You know, regardless of how it goes, I do expect it to be, if, it, if, the, if the player isn't a quarterback that falls that they like, I do expect it to be uh, a defensive player. And, and, you know, the Raiders, I think, what, have 11 or 12 picks tonight, something, or this weekend, picks. something like that. 12 picks. They're, yeah, there are going to be other, you're going to be able to supplement whoever you take uh, in the top 10 with, with other picks on the back end as well. So, uh, I think defense is the way to go, uh, but we'll ultimately know in a, you know a couple hours here. You know there have been a lot of disappointments, you know, with this franchise going back to drafts over you know the last ten years or so, and I'm really curious to see how this regime performs on draft day. I mean, they're in, they're in great a great situation, Sam, where you have twelve picks. All right, you've got one yeah. in the, one in the first round. You've got you know one in the second round. You got two third rounders, and then you know. Once you get past, you know, the fourth round, okay, you got a, you got a bunch of picks after that. I'm not really concerned. Most of those guys aren't even going to make the team anyway, but I'm curious, uh, on how Dave Ziegler is going to operate here. Is it a Dave Ziegler, uh, slash Josh McDaniels? I think that's really the mode here. Uh, just from the press conferences and just, you know, from listening to these guys and getting a chance to, to know both of these guys over the last year or so, what is your, your take as far as, you them being prepared for this draft and and having a lot of confidence of them making the right picks. Yeah, I mean, I think I have no doubt they've done their homework and they've done their their due diligence and preparation. I mean, there was meetings in some capacity, be you know uh, at pro day or uh, on 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 campus here, you know at the at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Uh, in Henderson, where the Raiders, the, you know, the Raiders headquarters, they, I mean, they, they've done their due diligence on all the quarterbacks involved. They've done their due diligence on Jalen Carter, who, you know, may be the best overall prospect in the draft, but of course was, uh, you know, tangentially involved in a, a fatal car accident, uh, down in Georgia and had some recourse to, to, you know, deal from, with, from that, going back, uh, you know, earlier this, this year around the time of the combine. So they, I, I believe they're well prepared in terms of, you know, how they're going to do per se. It's, it's tough to say because there's not really a, a large track record, right? This is Dave Ziegler's second draft, and he didn't have first or second round picks last year because of the Devontae, you know, Adams trade. So, uh, in terms of evolving, you know, evaluating the draft class that they had last year, I mean, Dylan Parham, you know, certainly stepped in and looked like he was a guy that's going to be part of the future uh, on the offensive line. And then Thayer Mumford as well, possibility he got reps at, at the right tackle spot last year. But, but they just didn't have, you know, the volume of picks 
and and it's it's you know hard to necessarily say. I mean, some of the day or two, day two or day three guys that they drafted last year, they might be on a different developmental trajectory. Maybe they don't pan out at all. You know, like it's not as far from a certainty. I think it's always a bonus when you hit on fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, not necessarily an expectation. So this is, I think, a really crucial draft. To go back to your point, TC, it's a, it's a really, really, really crucial draft. You have a lot of picks. It's a real opportunity to build out a defense and to refine some things on the periphery on the offensive side of the ball. And, and six and eleven in their first year here, with the, given the, the money that they invested uh, in big name free agents like Chandler Jones, in a Devontae Adams, making him at that time the highest paid wide receiver in, in the NFL. Going six and eleven certainly wasn't the expectation. No matter how they want to spin it, slice it up, and dice it uh, about needing some time to evaluate the roster, they've had that. Okay. They've had that now, and now is the opportunity to get this thing going in the right direction, to get the build on the defensive side of the ball started and to build out a foundation that's full of young impact players that are not only good right now, but uh, some of uh, you know others of whom could be developmental pieces down the road as, as they look to kind of build a team that's competitive here in the AFC West. So in terms of confidence, I don't have a lot. I don't have a ton to draw from that makes me confident per se, but I don't have a lot to draw from on, on the draft side anyways that makes me think it's going to be you know a, a failure as well. It's, it's not like Gruden where he had a track record there of, of putting together a couple pretty bad drafts uh, in a row. This is really the first shot that these guys get at, at really using the draft to build out their roster, and that's why it's so imperative that they're able to find you know day one starters at, at least early on. Here's Raiders man, uh, general manager Dave Ziegler talking about uh, the draft tonight and what the Raiders could do with pick number seven. The priority is is finding one someone that's going to have an impact. You know, you want to find a starting level player at that spot. There, there's no doubt about that. And and I think along with that, you want to find a player um, that fits um, one, um, hopefully fits a need that you have. Right. I mean, you're going, we're going to look at the best available players, but we also have a lot of places on this team where we can add competition and we can add play, people that can help our roster. Um, and we want to find a player that fits our, what we look for in a Raiders player. We want to find someone that has a passion for football. We want to find someone that, um, you know, is, is someone that, um, has some upside, that has some explosiveness to their game, um, that, that can, that can impact the game in a positive way. And that's going to fit our organization, I'd say, and have a positive impact on the organization as a person too. Um, so those are some of the things that, you know, we'll be dialed in on. All right, Dave Ziegler, you know, when you look at this, his description here, Sam, talking about, you know, a guy that's going to fit in. They want somebody that could be explosive. This, that. In a lot of ways, he's, you could be describing, you know, Jalen Carter. We know that he was here for that visit and we know the off field issues there. And especially considering coming off the Henry Rugg situation, you know, there's that fraction of people are saying, man, don't go there with that. Uh, do you think that that could be a possibility if Carter drops to seven that the Raiders take a shot? On Jalen Carter, uh, I mean, I know they've done their due diligence. I would be a little surprised, just big picture. I'm not. I'm not. That's not to say that Jalen Carter isn't deserving of another opportunity and, and shouldn't be taken highly in this draft. He's certainly a major, major, major prospect that you know on the Raiders or any other team has the opportunity to come in and change the complexion of your defensive line from day one. I just think here in this market. Jalen Carter has a little, you know, if, if he were to be drafted, it would resonate a little bit differently than it does elsewhere because of the, you know, proximity to the fatal car crash that Henry Ruggs was involved in a couple years ago, right? That obviously that not, I'm not saying one situation is, is necessarily involved with the other. They're not, they're two different situations, but it, it, there is beyond the, 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 the NFL community here and the community that is interested in the Raiders. 
that that situation reverberated just in Las Vegas in general, and and I think drafting Jalen Carter could drudge up some you know some trauma yeah. that a lot of people had to had to deal with. So he he's more than deserving of a of a of a top selection, and and I do think that you know the, the that there was the due diligence was done at the, the Raiders. If indeed made, you know they did take him, it would tell you how strongly they feel uh, about who he is as a young man and football player, and 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 the type of impact. That he can have. I just, I just think at this juncture, given the proximity, it's probably more unlikely than likely. But you never know. Yeah. You know, you never know, TC, and that's what makes tonight so exciting is the possibilities at the top of the draft and some of the uncertainty that that we're going to see. I believe. In Sam's uh, column this morning at the Las Vegas Review Journal, he talked about the Las Vegas uh, kids, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback from UCLA, uh, and, and several others. Uh, talk a little bit about about that. And you know, we got some talented kids that played high school ball here that grew up here as you know sam we got a couple of very talented tight ends you know dalton kincaid from utah darnell washington from georgia uh then the wide receiver cedric tillman i know you wrote about all of those uh kids uh you know talk a little bit about those guys yeah going to going to top tc dorian thompson robinson was an unbelievable um quarterback at bishop gorman and then just had one of the best you know careers in ucla program history probably uh, a mid-round, mid to late-round pick, but certainly showed enough, I think, during his fifth-year senior um, season at UCLA that he's warranted of being drafted. I mean, set all kind of program records, has a huge arm uh, and the mobility to make plays uh, outside of the pocket. Uh, for a couple former Gorman teammates, um, you know, potentially uh, going to get drafted as well. Caillou Kelly out of Stanford, you know, mid-round cornerback prospect, four-year starter uh, that, that, that did his thing uh, with the Cardinals, probably fourth, fifth-round pick. Uh, Cedric Tillman, formerly of the University of Tennessee, is a, a target for Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, at Bishop Gorman. Big target on the perimeter was a, a thousand yard receiver in 2021, battled injury uh, in 2022, but could still go in the top three rounds. And then you mentioned the TC, the tight ends, right? I think that the top two local prospects, Dalton Kincaid, uh, Faith Lutheran, formerly a basketball player, didn't come out for football until his senior year. Uh, wide receiver at University of San Diego for two years, didn't have a scholarship there, and then transfers up to Utah and becomes one of the most dynamic receiving tight ends in the country, 1,400 yards. Uh, the last two seasons there, 16 touchdowns, can run any route in the tree, and a, a walking matchup problem probably going to go in the first round. Uh, and then Darnell Washington, too, at Georgia, potential to go in the first round at 6'7", you know, 265, best blocking tight end in the draft, like having a baby offensive lineman uh, down the field, and then 4'6", speed with, with playmaking skills after the catch, and maybe not necessarily – the pass catcher at least didn't show it uh, in college the way Dalton Kincaid did at the University of Utah because of, of just the, the nature of Georgia's offense. Of course, run heavy, and then Brock Powers, also a spectacular tight end. But, you know, Darnell Washington believes he has untapped potential uh, as a pass catcher. He certainly has the, the size, the measurables, and then the fact that he's such a willing blocker kind of shows you the intangibles, not necessarily the glamorous part of the tight end position, uh, but that was what he dominated at and what he was best at and how he helped the University of Georgia win two national championships. So he's in the mix as a potential late first-round pick, second-round pick uh, as well. It's a good crop. You see, it's a good crop. Every year there's there's always a handful of local players, and, and, and football here, high school football here in Vegas, uh, is strong and, and, and definitely sends its fair share of players to college and, you know, of course, you know, other guys to the NFL as well. So we're going to we're gonna learn more about the futures for those guys um, this weekend in Las Vegas maintains a presence uh, in the NFL. All right, Sam, let's close out with the NBA playoffs. I know you follow it very closely. We've been talking a lot about these series, specifically the 
Warriors and Kings have been talking a lot about that. And then, you know, Lakers and Memphis. I mean, this thing has a potential to go seven games if Memphis can pull off the upset, you know, tomorrow night in LA. But what about the Milwaukee Bucks? And talk about the disappointment and then the kudos to Jimmy Butler for scoring 98 points in, in, in two games. Uh, and the Bucks eliminated in five games as the number one seed. Yeah, TC, regardless of how, whatever Giannis wants to say, right? And I, and I do think, you know, his answer yesterday in the press conference about whether or not this season was a failure, I do think there's a lot of merit in that just in terms of his process and how he prepares, you know, mentally and how he kind of copes with defeat and losing and, and, and kudos to him. But at the end of the day, right, like no matter what he wants to call it, this is the number one seed that was the best rec- best team in the NBA. Giannis, who I believe going into the playoffs is the best player in the NBA, they go home in five. They, they go home in five, and, and, and I understand he was out essentially for three games, you know, missing a majority of game one and the games two and three, but they had double-figure leads in the fourth quarter of games four and five, and, and this, this, this team with this championship experience with Giannis Antetokounmpo, with good supporting players around him like a Drew Holiday, like Chris Middleton, like uh, Brooke Lopez, who was the runner up for defensive player of the year, uh, they should have taken this this series should be heading back to Miami, Milwaukee, holding a 3-2 lead. And it's a credit in Miami. I think you mentioned it first and foremost, TC, to Jimmy Butler, how, how elite of a player he is, especially come this time of year at 6-7. There's nothing he can't and won't do um, to, to win a basketball game. And we saw that, uh, particularly in games four and five, but we've seen it throughout the playoffs with him. And, and he just continues to get better and better and better. And this is really a signature series. But also a credit to Eric Spolstra, TC, who I believe is, you know, if he's not the best coach in basketball, one of the top two or three who made all the right coaching and tactical adjustments that I think stymied some of the strengths of the Milwaukee Bucks pulling their bigs out of the paint and having Bam Adebayo operate at the top of the key, running cutters, running Jimmy Butler off screens, creating opportunities at the rim without the rim protection uh, that Giannis and Brooke Lopez offer. So it was a, um, again, however you want to slice it, the Milwaukee, I mean, this was a championship caliber team, at least so it seemed, championship caliber roster. They had their deficiencies. I think like everybody else, uh, you know, older on the wing, but there's no excuse for, for bowing out in five games, regardless of Giannis's injury. I think Mike Budenholzer, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go uh, because of the lack of adjustments that he made in the fourth quarters of these games and how kind of slow reacting he is. I think he does a great, great job. Big picture installing a system, TC, but we've seen these struggles in the postseason with his teams before, say, for 2021. So uh, it, an absolute disappointing end to what was a really good season. And, and you know, I'm excited for Heat Knicks. That's as old school yeah. as it gets. Yeah, exactly. All right, Sam, who do you like? Game six is tomorrow night. It's Warriors-Kings. It's Lakers and Grizz. Who you got, man? I got both home teams, TC. I think the yeah. Lakers, uh, despite the disappointment that they had last night in Memphis, really tough place to play. Uh, their home crowd's going to be on fire, and I'm not going to bet against the LeBron James and Anthony Davis in, in stakes. You know, when they're at home with with what's on the line, uh, I, don't, I certainly don't think you got LeBron's best game yesterday, five of seventeen with the five turnovers. He knows he needs to be better. I think the home crowd gives the Lakers a lift, and then I just as remarkable as this Kings Warriors series has been, TC, and and all the games, you know, say for Game Three have been outstanding. Uh, Golden State won the crucial game they needed to, and it's not that they not, it's not that Sacramento blew that game. I just think what you just saw was the championship caliber team the, the 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 dynasty rise and be a dynasty on the night on a night where they absolutely needed to executing uh in the fourth quarter of that game that crowd you know you know what that crowd is going to be like in san francisco uh and and a really 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 um you know unbelievable series from the kings they again they regardless of how tomorrow night goes they have no shame in the way that they competed against steph curry clay thompson uh draymond green and steve Kerr and company but 
Golden State uh, did what they had to do last night. I just don't see Sacramento, their young team, as poised as they've been in this series. That's going to be a, an awfully hard place uh, to play at the Chase Center tomorrow night. I think both those teams, both home teams, get it done on their home floor. And if they do, TC, that sets up. You know what that sets up? LeBron and Steph and Lakers Warriors in the conference semifinals would be a massive, massive, massive second round series uh certainly the highlight of the second round if it happens i expect it to both home teams get it done tomorrow night yeah and that, that would be a, a six and seven seed uh going against each other which would kind of shocking with both of those teams but you know i'm with you with the warriors sam but i'm not counting out the memphis grizzlies and again it, we've seen so much inconsistency from the la lakers uh sure they're favored uh, to get the job done tonight and, and i think you know conventional wisdom says if they don't get the job done in game six they're not going to beat memphis in memphis uh because that is a very talented team. And uh, John Morant looks like, I mean, he's, he's getting healthier, getting better uh, as this series progresses. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't count, uh, you know, the, the Lakers as a shoe in in winning game six, but I could see, you know, where you're going with that. And in, in final thing with the Warriors here, I mean, you win championships when you get a majority of your team producing and what Kayvon Looney is doing with 22 rebounds again last night. And then Jordan pool and, uh, and, uh, and Wiggins. I mean, what these guys are doing and then getting, you know, what, uh, what Gary Payton, the second is doing off the bench, you know, Looney and, and, and Payton and even pool to a certain degree are unsung guys. And when you're getting these guys to come off the bench as your, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth men, I mean, it's just phenomenal what these guys are doing. But uh, kudos to the Warriors because this is probably the most healthy Warrior team that we've seen in some time. And, uh, you know, the longer that they uh, are, are hanging around, uh, I, I make them the favorite to win the whole thing if they continue to play the way they played the last couple games. Yeah, and, and last night I think was one of the best games they played all season. You got that balance up and down the lineup, and when they had to get stops uh, defensively, they got stops. Championship caliber team, TC, regardless of what the record says, you knew that they were going to have to, in order for them to, it's one of those things, right, where you got to see them to go down to believe it, right? They haven't lost a playoff series in the Western Conference since 2014. Think about that. Almost, It's been nine years since they've lost the playoff series in, in the Western Conference. So they're going to have to be beat. Right, I, 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 I think it's certainly possible. Um, this, this, this is, you know, it has been a challenging year for them in a lot of ways. But when they had to summon their best, uh, they showed against an upstart Sacramento team that they're absolutely capable of it. And uh, curious to see, can't wait to see how the playoffs, how, how the game sixes uh, unfold tomorrow night. I think there's going to be two great home crowds and uh, two fantastic matchups as the first round gets ready to conclude here this weekend. You got it, Sam. All right, well, let's get back to work. Um, we'll talk to you next week. We appreciate the time, as always, my friend. Uh, enjoy the draft tonight. Enjoy the NBA playoffs as well. All right, sounds good, TC. Appreciate you, and you do the same thing. We'll talk soon. You Take got care. it, brother. There is Sam Gordon, the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Check out Sam's column earlier today regarding uh, the local kits uh, from Las Vegas, including Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback at UCLA, Caillou Blue Kelly is, um, that we talked about, uh, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, both those guys very uh, top-notch tight ends. Both could go in the first round. Cedric Tillman, wide receiver from Tennessee, all from Las Vegas. All right, we'll keep it a local here, and uh, Brian Salmon will join us as we get ready for Golden Knights. Game number five tonight as they take on the Winnipeg Jets at T-Mobile Arena. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. 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 In.
Brian Salmon. He's uh, getting looking fly for tonight's game at T-Mobile Arena. And he's shaking it up a little bit. He's shaking it up to the Mary Jane girls. It's B-Sound. <laughs> The Mary Jane girls, okay, okay. Come on, you gotta know little Mary Jane girls. I do know the Mary Jane girls. I'm not as familiar with this song for the Mary Jane girls, but uh, of course I know the Mary Jane girls. So, so he, here, James, here, all that. here's the backstory, okay? So Nubchuck's going, okay. hey, uh, you know what? What's the ice cream song? V sound likes some ice cream song, and I go, well, what are you talking about? I go, you know, he go, I go, you talking about like Candyman or something like that? And he goes, oh, Candyman, knocking boots, or he goes, what about this one? I go, oh yeah, this is a Mary Jane girl. So, so there you go. So Nubchuck was thinking about you. He's thinking you like some ice cream man, Candyman song. Oh, I, I, I like that song. My favorite ice cream song has got to be by the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> the Wu-Tang. Ice cream. Oh, that's one of my... Yeah, ice cream with Raekwon and Ghostface. That's one of my favorite songs ever. Okay, so there you go. I don't think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why Numbchuck th- thought you were you know, talking about something else, so there you go. But he, th- he thought you were going like, you know, with a Candyman knocking boots or whatever back in the day. Bad song. I like I like to knock boots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you're any good at it, but that's okay. It's another story for itself. Oh, oh there we go. Hey, I set myself up for that one, right? You I did. I, speaking of which, piece, I'll, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but I don't care. Hey, I I hope number one, I see you at the game tonight. But more importantly, I hope I get a chance to see your market manager at the game tonight. Your media manager. Miss <laughs> uh, Rebecca. Ms. Oh, Rebecca where's Miss Rebecca? And see, I got a bone to pick with B Sal. So we're sitting there talking. I think it was game one. And we're talking, and all of a sudden, you know, this beautiful lady walks by and talks to B Sal. And I go to B Sal, who's that? And he goes, Well, yeah, that's our media manager. That's that's the lovely Rebecca. And she just walks by. Does B Sal have the decency to introduce me to her? Oh, or, or wow. no, nothing. I mean, where is the wow. where is the the gentleman uh, you know in you to to do or being cordial just as you know media members? I mean, we always introduce people to each other. I'm just kind of curious, B Sal, why you failed to do that. Well, I mean, I didn't think that you'd be able to speak because your tongue was hanging out of your mouth, so I figured I'd go ahead and let her walk by and... <laughs> hey! Get getting ready there! We don't hear Look at that! <laughs> I got the fingers, too. I got the fingers, too. I like it's it. not just a, a chocolate pastry with the uh, peanuts on the outside. So, <laughs> you remember the zinger? I don't. You remember the zinger? I remember, I remember the zinger, but I'm not a fan of, of, of peanuts and chocolate, okay? Oh, okay, okay. We know the zingers are like Twinkies or whatever back in the day. Yeah, but I don't remember any peanuts in a zinger. Wasn't the zinger like a ho-ho or a ding-dong? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean the peanuts as in um, Charlie Brown and Snoopy, they they were on the cover on the outside of the... uh, B-Cell, are you being arrested right now? I mean, what's going on there? (laughs) Man, well, I got a bunch going on here, man. My dang car, for some reason, my window motor is all messed up and it won't roll up. Like the my driver's side window won't roll up. Oh no! So that's why it's so loud out here. I'm, but uh, yeah. Other than that, everything's going fantastic. Good. My cousin from Philly's in town, baby. I get a chance to see my cousin. Haven't seen her in a little bit. Oh really? All right, good. We got a little. We got a little Philly sound going. Is what you're telling me. All right. 
Yeah, she's a lawyer, man. She helped me do my last contract when I was uh back in the day when I was in Boston or whatever. She it's her and a bunch of girlfriends are out here. They just they just landed and she's trying to come out to Las Vegas and become a different person for a few days. <laughs> oh, well, that's what usually happens. People just you know forget who they are and, and they come to Vegas and they want to be somebody else for the next year. Well, good. Maybe we'll get an invitation uh, for that as well too. We'll get an introduction there. I definitely introduced you to uh, Zakia is her name. Zakia. Be down on my live shot. Oh. Yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a Delta. She's one of those sorority sisters. Oh, boy. Oh, no. The old Delta Phi. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, were you ever a fraternity brother? Did you ever get into that? I did not, but my older brother is a Kappa. Wow. Kappa Alpha Psi. Okay. Yeah, the guys with the, with the canes, you know, that, that swing the canes. I think um, Penny Hardway. Oh, there you go. Penny Hardway's a Kappa. <laughs> Lawrence Weekly, the capital, our, our, our attorney general of Nevada, the capital, and my brother. So there we go. Not me. All right, man. We got NFL draft tonight. We got Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, tell me where the News Three crew is assigned tonight, including yourself. Man, well, we are doing big things, TC. I appreciate you uh, setting me up for that. Jesse Merrick is over at the Raiders headquarters because he would have his head would have exploded if he wasn't able to cover the draft, which. I don't care about the draft. I'd rather have him over there, yeah. which is great. I'm going to be over at the Golden Knights game. Uh, the, the series clinchers tonight, hopefully, because if they do not clinch, they go back to Winnipeg. They play there on Saturday, and guess who's going back to Winnipeg? Not B. Sal. Jesse Merrick. Oh, yeah, I was going to say Jesse, because I know that's his thing. <laughs> you're, you're sending him, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm the, no, no Winnipeg for B. Sal. Yes, so, yes. Um, He's he's hoping and wishing and praying that the Golden Knights win tonight. So I'll be there at the game for the, uh, the game and giving them their good luck. And then the Raiders have a draft party that's at Marquee, I believe. And yeah. it's just for, like, season ticket holders and, you know, the people like yourself that are really cool people here, media members in town. And our own Dana... Hey, 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 hey. See, now look at you. Now you look at Numchuck just jumping. Here's Numchuck, and I was about ready to say this until you went with that really ridiculous sound. The TC Martin show is represented tonight at Marquee. All right, yes. We have okay. we have we okay. have our, our our member of our crew will be there uh tonight. So there you go. There okay. you go. But it's not me. Of course it's not you. You're not allowed out. Are you kidding me? You at Marquee? I mean it's like you at the Hustler Club. You've been banned. Can't have you there. <laughs> at the Hustler Club. What is that? Is that where they play cards at or something like that? Is that where they play cards? Yeah, they're playing cards already, B. Sal. There's no doubt about it. It's called strip poker. That's what it's called. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Okay, oh, good. Check, he's, right. he's on time. He's on time. <laughs> so, um, But our, our very own Dana Wagner will be over at the Marquee tonight. So we have three different live shots that are going to be going on. Here tonight. So really? Where's Marie? On? How come Marie isn't over there? Uh, you know, Marie likes to shake it up. Why, why is she at Marquee? <laughs> Where she likes to shake it up? <laughs> Marie Mortera yeah. is, she's our esteemed and uh, Hall of Fame, Southern Nevada broadcaster, yeah. Hall of Fame member. That's right. And she will be at, yes, she I, went in with me. I know. I, I, I throw it to her all the time. As you know, when you go to the Aces game, I'm throwing it back to the studio with Marie. Yes, yes, Marie Mortera. She will be at the anchor. She will be manning the anchor desk, probably along with Jim Snyder. Okay, very nice. All right, well, Jim can stay home. Yeah. That's okay. You know. <laughs> TC has got uh, a lot of testosterone today. I, I like. No. 
Is that what you call it? Wasn't there a day where you threw it back to to somebody that wasn't even there? Yeah, yeah there was that occasion. He, he, does that, he does that every time he throws it back. I did. I did. <laughs> we thought it was somebody else, and they go, wait, we're not here tonight. She's not here tonight or something like that. Yeah. Or whoever it was. Yeah. He's always throwing it back to someone. To the ghost. That's good. And that's courtesy of B. Sal. I mean, he sets me up. I mean, he's the point guard. And then he says, TC, throw it back to the studio. And he gives me that bounce pass, and I, and I, and I rock it home. He does. He, he gets a little. He gets his. Uh, he gets his Vince Carter on. I give you that. Yeah, there you go. He gets your Vince Carter I love on. That. Striking a pose, yeah. baby, in midair. There you go. All right. So, uh, you want to make a prediction here with the uh, NFL draft? Who the Raiders going with at seven? <laughs> Ooh, I, man, Jesse Merritt could. I, I, you know what? What I tell you, what they're not going to do. They're not going to trade up and get CJ Stroud. I hope not. So, like a lot of people, yeah. kind of, I know, me too. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. A lot of people have thought that they might do that or try to do that if they, if they, you know, they they like a quarterback or something like that. So I say they are not going to do that. Um, as far as who they might pick, ooh, what they really need is a good defensive lineman, yeah. somebody to play with, someone to play with Max. Crosby, because you know Max Crosby basically rushed the passer by himself with that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and then there's the offensive line, you know, issues as well. The Raiders have needs at a couple of different positions, and I know every you know the flavor of the month, you know, is like, oh, let's go with these, let's go with a cornerback. You know, I'm not a fan of going for a cornerback at number seven, B. Sal, but. Again, we'll see how this uh, thing all unfolds. Like every draft, there's always a lot of surprises. There'll be some trades. Uh, so uh, Jesse should have a good time breaking it all down tonight. He's like a draft nerd. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like oh, I, yeah. I, I am, I am not. Well, is like, he, very, very isn't he just from. a nerd? Period, though. You don't have to insert draft there. I mean, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's a little young nerd. Yeah, he's friendly for football. Hey, he Jesse, he's one of our favorites, man. We we love Jesse. No no problem with that. All right, so B Sal tonight at uh, at T Mobile Arena, the Golden Knights, Winnipeg Jets. We'll see if the Knights can close this thing out. Uh, should be very very interesting um, with that here. So hopefully, B Sal, we get a chance to see you tonight, and uh, you know you're you're dressed appropriately, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know you know who's really hoping that the Knights close it out tonight, and that is uh, your. You're a brass over at Channel Three at News Three because oh, I they, know because they don't want to see they don't want to send Jesse on the road they don't want to spend more money in doing that. You are correct, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you you are absolutely correct, sir. Although <laughs> it, it it has been approved, so I mean Uh-oh. they are willing to spend. Like it's already been approved, but you know if if, if they had their druthers, I'm sure that they would rather save that money. And and spend it on Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because I mean, we, you know, we got to potentially you know three more rounds after this. You know, so we'll. I know, so, I know, and it's not going to be L.A. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine L.A. coming back and winning that series, even though I wish they would. Right. Yeah. Well, again, hey, they're they're at home in uh, Game Six. We'll see what happens. So speaking of of uh, series and the NBA side, my friend, I know you're following it very closely, oh. and I know you're watching the Dubs, man, and this series between the Dubs man. and the Kings have been fantastic, and the Warriors win one on the road last night. Huge accomplishment there, but, man, they're getting production from everywhere. I know you got your eye on that series. I know you got your eye also on the Grizz and the Lakers, so go ahead, man. Break it down. Man, how about Draymond Green? Yes. Draymond Green, since Steve Kirk had him come off the bench, you can tell that he's um, he's got his mentality. You know, I'm going to go ahead and try to score 
And he's just he's been he was fantastic in game number what game number five that was. Yep. Draymond really, really did his thing. And defensively. So I mean Ed Clay Thompson, he showed up big time. Steph didn't shoot the ball all that magnificent. Still ended up with what, thirty one points. Thirty one, right? Yeah. Man, that series is a lot of fun to watch, man. De'Aaron Fox is the truth. He is all and nothing but the truth, man. I love watching that kid play. Now, b you played a lot of basketball in your time. And I, 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 I'm curious. I mean, you get a, a, a fractured finger, a broken finger, and you've got it taped up. You actually got you know, a little cast or something on. And Fox is still raining threes. He's getting to the oh, cup. No. He's doing what he wants. I think this injury is a little overblown. Remember two days ago? Oh, he's doubtful. Yeah. Then he comes back, yeah. you know, two days ago and says, well, wait a minute. No, no, no ifs, ands, buts about it. I am playing. He was fantastic, man. So I don't know if that was a little gamesmanship on the, on the Kings organization or what, but he looked totally fine. Now, I'm not going to say he wasn't hurt. Because I saw him like holding his hand a couple times in, you know, last night during the game. I saw him wince a little bit. But for the most part, man, it looked like that injury did not affect him at all. Man, I, I, I could not agree with you more. Because, you know, I, I was thinking that. Okay, I'm not man, asking you to. I just, that's all you just agree. You don't have to agree with me more. Just agree. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm going to agree more than, than just agree. Okay. I'm fine. Like, with no, that. man. Uh, because, I mean, it, you saying that he might, it might have been a little bit overblown, and I think it was overblown, especially after seeing him nail what he, he dropped, like, his first three shots, like three-pointers all net. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I guess his finger's not it's not a problem. His finger, they hit, like, eight three-pointers in the first in the first period. I think that uh, – I want to say that De'Aaron Fox probably had, like, three or four of them or something like that. Like, he was on fire. Yep. So, yeah, I think that finger thing was overblown. And then – at the end of the game, I saw you saw. I think someone bumped his finger, maybe in the fourth quarter when he was kind of shaking it, and it was aggravated. And maybe that uh, is the reason why the whole team and himself was terrible in the fourth quarter. Because you know he's the best clutch play, player in the league, but he was not clutch last night. But I really think that's more to do with what the Warriors were doing and the fact that experience, man. You saw that tweet, and I saw that you liked it, man. You can't underestimate the heart of a champion, right? Absolutely. No question. No. Yeah. Was there any doubt that the? I mean, was there any doubt that the Warriors were going to play extremely well in that game? And you know, at least it's going to be a close game. No, there's no question. For me, the two games that I knew they were going to show up was going to be Game Three. Okay, when they're down two none, two nothing, and then coming yep. back to San Francisco. To me, that was that was easy money, and I figured they'd win Game Four. But hey, man, it was it was close. It was a one point game. But then after winning two in a row, getting the mojo, and you got to remember. Every game that Andrew Wiggins plays, I mean, he's just getting sharper and sharper and sharper. And I just, I want to see more love for Wiggins and Looney because these guys, and, and even Jordan Poole, and then Gary Payton, the second. Are you kidding me? I mean, Man, Payton he is comes beautiful. in. He's perfect on that team. Yeah. Perfect here's the thing, team. B Sal, I don't think a lot of people realize. Peyton didn't enter that game until midway through the second quarter last night. And he comes in, wow. he gets a baseline dunk, he gets a three, and it's like, it is so hard to come in, and especially your first shot as an a, a outside shot or a jumper, especially on the road when you're ice cold, when you've been sitting for nearly an hour. I mean, yeah. and then he comes in and he's he's crashing the offensive glass, he's diving for loose balls. I mean, I love these guys 
that that are unsung guys and uh, and end up getting championship rings. And we've seen the Warriors always have these type of guys on their team. But with those guys, with Wiggins and Looney and Peyton and Poole, uh, and even Moody, when he comes in, this is why the Warriors are so good. This is why the Warriors have an opportunity to win it all or go deep in the playoffs. Because when you got your guys, you know, coming off the bench seven, eight, nine, ten, or that are contributing in those minutes, those brief minutes they have, that's a, that's a mark of a champion, in my opinion. It is, it is, and I mean GP too, man. He he has been, he has just been really just so good, so good. And with the Warriors, and just mind you, he didn't even really play this entire season. Remember, like he's yep. been hurt for the most part this entire season. So it's not like uh, it's not like he's you know he, he's he's gotten the groove and he's midseason form. So for him to just come into the playoffs and <laughs> play so well in the playoffs, specifically in these last couple games, I remember him in the finals. Like he was a big, he was a, one of the big reasons why. They won the finals last year. He'd come in and play defense. He gets, you know, he uh, hit like a, a three, uh, have a, a, a huge rebound offensive board, like you were just saying. Like, I'm, how about Kevon Looney? He had like 20 boards, like two straight games, I think it was, man. Like, he's been killing it. So, yeah, it's not, it's the others, as Shaq would say, with the Warriors, man. Like, that's what you really got to worry about. And if you're like a Lakers fan, and if you're watching that series, like I know you are with Memphis, then you realize that LeBron doesn't have a whole lot of others helping him out, and that's why they lost their game. All right, he is Brian Salmon, News 3. He'll be out at uh, T-Mobile Arena tonight for the Golden Knights game number five against the Jets. Knights uh, up three games to one in this series. Jesse Miracle have the coverage uh the NFL draft to focus on the Raiders tonight. So uh, check all the action out with my guys over there at News 3. Peace out. I look forward to seeing you tonight, brother. All right, we'll have a good time. Absolutely, man. I, anytime I see you, it's a pleasure, man. So, yeah. And unfortunately, I will not have Rebecca at the game. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, make a call. <laughs> Go down the hall. Make a call. Tell the doctor we'll be call. in the house. Come on now. <laughs> hey, check, check your Twitter. I'll, I'll send you something on Twitter. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Shaggy. Right. We'll catch you tonight, man. How about a little uh, Shaggy? It wasn't me, man. Thank you. It wasn't me. That's what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> Take care, brother. See ya. <laughs> All right, my man. Be good. You and that stuff. V-Sal. I want to thank him for joining us. Sam Gordon from the RJ and uh, TJ Reeves from Tampa Bay. All right, for Numbchuck TC said so long. Hasta la vista, baby. We'll come back tomorrow Friday. Las Vegas Aces. Becky Hammond joins me tomorrow. Asia Wilson. Uh, Kayla George. Natalie Williams, the GM. Oh, yeah. As we get ready for the WNBA season. You miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.